Thank you, Miss Heidi, for your ministry to us. Thank you, Blondie. Thank you, Miss Robin and Katie. This is our 29th message in Psalms. Wow, doesn't seem like that. Seems like we just got started, but then again, seems like it was just January. Yeah. <laughs> All you folks were laughing at me when I said it'll be Thanksgiving before you know it. Nobody's laughing now, amen. It's, like, it's true, Pastor, it's true, amen. We looked last week at Psalm 139. What a, what a great psalm. We, we talked about what a personal psalm it is. Uh, 48 personal pronouns in Psalm 139. My God, amen. I will, and it's just, just so good. But we looked at his perfect attributes. If you want to look there at Psalm 139, and you see him there in verses 1 through 12, and they're really summed up in, in two phrases. Uh, if you look back there with me, they're summed up in verse 2 of Psalm 139. Let's just review real quick. Uh, Psalm 139, verse 2, and it just simply says the first two words of verse 2, our church... Thou knowest. One of God's perfect attributes is that He is omniscient. He knows. And I talked about that last week. Talked about, let it be a great comfort to you. If, if you get slandered, if your name goes through the mud and you didn't do anything to deserve it, may, may it be a comfort to you that God knows. When, when you give that person a, a, a gift, a, a kindness uh, on, on the side, God knows. God knows, amen. And not only do we see thou knowest, but in verse 8, if you look down there, it says in the middle of the verse, it says, if I ascend up into heaven, next three words, church, thou art there. Not only is he omniscient, he's omnipresent. God's perfect attributes. But then we talked about his personal attention in verses 1 through 5, and then again in verses 12 through 16, and especially uh, there in verse number 18 as well. Uh, it talks about how he gives us personal attention. Again, me, mine, I are used 48 times. Uh, yes, he, he is omniscient. Yes, he is uh, omnipresent, but he pays, and, and pays attention intricately, personally to you. Amen. Don't forget that. Amen. So, perfect attributes, personal attention. We notice in verses 17 and 18, his parental attitude. What do we see there? How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. We talked about, oh, uh, how, many of you, how many of you parents... You, you love to watch those babies sleep. Oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. And you can't take your eyes off them. And uh, that's the way God is with you. He can't take his eyes off. He's, he's not standing up in heaven with a club waiting for you to mess up. He just loves you so much he can't take his eyes off you. And his thoughts are, not only are they precious, but they're plenteous, aren't they? If I should number his, his thoughts unto me, it would be like the sand of the sea. That, what is that? That's so much that no man could possibly count. Amen. That's how much he thinks about you. So parental attitude, personal attention, perfect attributes. And then his pure actions. The judgment of sinners as well as the judgment of the saints. And remember how it ends. Search me, O God. Know my heart. 
see if there be any wicked way and lead me into the way everlasting. You know, that's the difference between the judgment of the sinner and the judgment of the saints. The judgment of the sinner comes at the end and it's all bad. The judgment of the saints comes while we're living so we can make adjustments and please him. Amen. The Psalms are such an important portion of the Word of God. Go with me, and, and we looked here at Wednesday night as well, but I want you to go with me. Hold your place there in Psalm 145. We're coming back. But go to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And here, Jesus has been crucified and has risen from the dead. And he is walking, it begins in verse 13, he's walking the, the road to Emmaus, this eight-mile road here, and between Jerusalem and Emmaus, and he comes across a couple of his own disciples, he recognizes them, they do not recognize him. And he notices they're sad, and he engages them, and says, how come you're sad? And they say, well, don't you know what's happened here? Jesus Christ uh, has been crucified at the hands of wicked men. And, and uh, he makes that he would go on, and they ask him to come in. And, and uh, then it says there in verse number 26, it says, uh, or verse, verse 25, I guess, he says, and... Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. If you jump down to verse number 44. It says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in, number one, the law of Moses, number two, in, in the prophets, and number three, and in the Psalms concerning me. Jesus here mentions the Psalms as one of the three major divisions of the Old Testament. You have the Law of Moses, that's the first five books of the Bible. You have the Prophets, we know the Prophets, and then we have the Psalms here. And uh, we're told in 1 Chronicles 16.9 to sing Psalms. Sing Psalms. Psalm 95 verse 2 says, Make a joyful noise unto him with Psalms. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Colossians 3.16, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms. The psalms are, are precious and they are a special part of God's worship. And many of them were written during times of great difficulty. And they are expressions of joy. They are expressions of Frustration. I love that about the Psalms. They're expressions of God's deliverance. They're expressions sometimes of heartache. They're expressions of love. They're expressions of despair. And many times, many times, they are expressions of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Church family, 
you've heard me say many times, I mentioned it in Sunday school this morning, gratitude is the seedbed of the Christian life. What does that mean? Gratitude is the soil which the seeds of our Christian life grow. That's good soil right there. Gratitude. A grateful heart is someone, forgive me, that will serve the Lord. The ungrateful heart, ingratitude, can cause you to walk away from God. And by the way, we all have bouts of faithlessness. We all have bouts with unbelief. Amen. I think Brother Wally and I were talking this morning. We were talking about the importance of duty in the Christian life. Just obeying God because it's right to obey Him. But I'll tell you, thankfulness causes you to obey God because you love Him. Amen. And so thanksgiving is not just the fourth Thursday of November in America, but rather, for the Christian, as I tell my kids, every day that ends in Y should be Thanksgiving. Amen? Every day should be Thanksgiving. We can never say thank you enough to parents, friends, leaders, and especially to God. When thanksgiving becomes an integral part of your life, you will find that your attitude toward life will change. You will become more positive, gracious, loving, and humble. That's in the Life Application Study Bible, Psalm 92, verse 1. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. So it says there in verse number 10 of our text, if you look back at it with me, it says, All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. Verse 21, Let all flesh bless his holy name forever. What do we see here that should cause us to say thank you to God? The title of our message tonight is simply, Thank You, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What should we thank Him for? We should thank Him for, number one, in verses 3 through 6, it says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty, and of thy wonderful works wondrous works, and men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. What should we say thank you for? Thank you, Lord, for your greatness. Thank you for your greatness. We see here his acts, his works, and I, I love that phrase in verse 3. It says, his greatness is unsearchable. So you know what you should say? Thank you, Lord, for your greatness. By the way, it is okay to tell God He's great. I know we're, we're, that's so foreign to us. We think, well, that's, uh, that, that's kind of uh, uh, feeding somebody's ego. You listen to me. God is great. He, ha he has no ego. He doesn't need an ego. He's great. That's all He just can be. And so it's okay to say, God, thank you for your greatness. Your great works, your great acts, the, the amazing things that you do. And I, I tell you what, uh, little miracles in our lives, sometimes we don't pay attention to them. You think about how the sunbeam hits the, the crop and 
or the water touches it, and you and I get nourishment from it, and there's a seed in itself, and then it goes back in the ground and happens all over again. You know what that is? That's great. That's great. You can't do that. I can't do that. I mentioned last week talking about when God gave us our children. God does that. God is the one who set up that incredible process that happens, and then nine months later, a little one is born. He's great. Praise him for his greatness. Well, going along with that, if you look at verse, verse 7 and 9, it says, They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great, what? Goodness. And then verse 9, it says, The Lord is what? Good to all. Not only his greatness, but his goodness. God's a good God. You know, you have to remember that because the first thing that the devil tried to convince Eve of, that God was not good. Literally, the very first, and I know this, if he tried that on Eve, he tries that on you and me too. If God was good, why does this happen? And what about this? And what is this? No, the word of God says that God is good. And so you know what we should say? Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being so good to me. Hey, if there's ever a time where we ought to say that, it's, it's coming up this Thursday. Some of you, some of you will have a table full because God's been good to you. Yeah. Amen. Some of us will have to push away from the table and do this. Oh. You know why? Because God's been good to you. His goodness. His greatness. How about number three? Something we don't think about a lot, but verse 7, it says, They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy one. You know what's required for you to get into heaven? Perfect righteousness. That's, that is the requirement of heaven. Perfect righteousness. And unfortunately, none of us have it. But fortunately, God set it up. God came up with the plan of salvation. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, as the Father hath made the Son to be sin for us, Jesus who bore our sins on Calvary, on the tree, the just for the unjust. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You don't realize it right now, but because you're saved, the moment you trusted Jesus Christ, God sees you as completely righteous. Because of Jesus. You know what? That ought to cause us to burst forth in thanks and say, Lord, thank you for your righteousness. You shall in no wise enter in anything that defileth, Revelation 21, 27 says. Only righteousness will be in heaven. Thank him for his greatness. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his righteousness. How about verse 8? Boy, verse 8. We could just preach on verse 8 tonight. The Lord is what? Graciousness. How about God's graciousness? Thank Him for His graciousness. You know what that is? God's graciousness in your life and mine, that is God giving us things that we do not deserve. Just because He's gracious. You know, I tell you, I, I love Christmas time. And... Uh, 
I still, I still love it. I think I loved it a lot more when my kids were little. And you know, you find out something that they wanted, and you'd, you'd go and put it aside and hide it, and and uh, and you give it to them. And you see their eyes opening up, and and you you realized you gave them that because you loved them, not because they earned it. I mean, granted, the week before Christmas, it was spick and span. I mean, you know, everything was cleaned up and, uh, you know, they were standing at attention. But let me tell you something. The other 51 weeks, not so much. Amen. Why did you give them that present? Because I love them. I just wanted to be gracious to them. You know, God is gracious to you. And you know what you ought to say? Thank you. Thank you for being gracious to me. Graciousness, righteousness, goodness, grace, greatness. How about verse eight? It says, "The Lord is." Uh, I'm sorry, verse eight. The Lord is gracious and full of what? Amen. You ought to thank Him for His compassion. What's that? His the, compassion is love in action. That's what it is. Love in action. Aren't you glad that He's compassionate toward you? Did you fail God this week? And all God's people said, I sure did. I know I did. And you know what? His love for me didn't change because I failed. You know what that ought to cause us to do? Thank Him for His compassion. That He has compassion on us. By the way, it ought to drive us to have compassion on others. Lord, Lord willing, next Sunday morning I'll be preaching a message entitled, Loving the Lost. And we're going to be looking at the maniac of Gadara. And you know what he needed? Compassion. Not chains and fetters. Not a place for himself in the graveyard where all the other corpses. He just needed some compassion. Thank God for his compassion to us. How about verse 8? It says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. And what's next there, church? I call this his serenity. We ought to thank him for his serenity in the fact that he is slow to anger. Not just to us, by the way. To a world that curses his name. By the way, just like some of us used to. I'm sure glad he was slow to anger with me. I'm sure glad he's still slow to anger with me. Does he chasten me? Yes. Absolutely. Does he convict me of sin? Yes, he does. But I'm glad he's slow to anger because no one can withstand his anger. Huh? Call this his serenity. You ought to thank God for his serenity that he's slow to anger. When when he could get angry, sometimes he's just slow to anger. And by the way, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Amen. When I think of his his slowness to anger, it leads me to want to repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I I shouldn't have done that. Thank you for being slow to anger with me. How about verse eight? Full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great what? Mercy. Mercy is the twin sister of grace. Grace is God giving us things we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. You know why you're not going to go to hell when you die? You know why? God's mercy. Because you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've accepted that God will be merciful to you, a sinner. Huh. Mercy. If all we had to thank Him for was mercy, that'd be enough for the rest of our lives. To just thank, and all of eternity. Thank God for your mercy, for His 
uh, God who is rich in mercy, it says in Ephesians 2.4. How about verse 11? Verse 11. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy what? You ought to thank him for his power. His power created the worlds. His power sustains the world and our bodies. All the laws that are taking place right now, God sustains them all. By Him all things consist, Colossians 1.17 says. You know, His power is what raised Jesus from the dead. By His glorious power. And then, you know what else? It's His power that saved you from being dead in trespasses and sins. And you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. What was that? That was his saving, regenerating power in your life. Well, can you work on the power lines? A lot of current running through those lines. A lot more power in heaven in our lives. We ought to thank God for his power. All verses 12 and 13 to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. What should we thank him for? His eternal kingdom and rule. We just started on Wednesday nights talking about prophecy. And I know right now uh, that, that somebody recently, we were talking about on Wednesday nights, talking about post-millennialism, and there are those that, that take a position that uh, we're in the millennium right now, that Satan is bound, and Jesus is ruling here on earth right now, and I say to them, you're nuts. You're, you're just a little slow. You might be crippled a little too high for crutches, theologically, on that. Because when Jesus comes to earth, he's going to rule and reign. Righteously. And the devil's going to be bound, and all God's people said. Amen. And you know what it says here? It says his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His, his stone in Daniel is the one that dashes all the others to pieces. He's going to rule and reign in righteousness. And we ought to thank him for that. We ought to thank him that we're going to rule and reign with him. We'll be kings and priests. How about verse 14? I love this. The Lord upholdeth all that fall. Oh! What do you say? What should you thank him for there? His help. Aren't you glad that he upholds you when you fall? Now listen, I've mentioned this before and, and I mention it periodically. There are things that I can do as a pastor that could disqualify me from ever being a pastor again. And you ought to say amen to that, church. I hope it doesn't happen, and I know you hope it doesn't happen, and you pray for me about just that I'll stay right and pure and all that. But listen to me, I am so thankful that when we stumble, He is there to pick us up. So thankful for that. His help. How about the other part of verse 14 there? He upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all that are bowed down. Say, what is this? I call this his exaltation. He says, humble yourselves therefore in the sight of God and he will lift you up. 
Some of you are bowed down with burdens. God can exalt you. God can lift you up. God can give you the strength to bear those burdens. His greatness, His goodness, His righteousness, His graciousness, His compassion, His serenity, His mercy, His power, His eternal kingdom and rule, His help, His exaltation. How about verse 15? The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. What do you say there? What do you see there, Pastor? I say, thank him for his rewarding. His rewarding. Listen, our God said this in Galatians 6-9. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season thou shalt reap, if thou faint not. You know what it tells us here? If we, we wait on the Lord... Verse 15, the eyes of all that wait upon the Lord, and thou givest them their meat in due season. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. God will reward your labor, sir, ma'am. It's amazing to me. I think just Him letting us into heaven is way more than we ever deserve. But not only will He do that, He will reward us for our service for Him. His rewarding. You know what you ought to do? You ought to thank God that He rewards. He doesn't have to, but He does. How about not only rewarding, but into verses 15 and 16? <clears throat> thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. What is this? They ought to thank God for His providing. For His providing. God provides for our needs. And by the way, we here in America are so truly blessed. You don't know that until you go to another country. And you see how people live and you see what people live on and you think to yourself, my goodness, I have so much more than that. And it ought to say, God, thank you so much for providing for me. Thank you for providing for my every need. His provision. I thank God for it. Oh, how about verse 18? Verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him. And all that call upon Him in truth. I see two things here. First of all, I see we ought to thank Him for His closeness. He's not far away. He's near. He's near. By the way, He's nearer than right here. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. How close is He? He lives inside. Amen? Not only His closeness, but His answers. In verses 18 and 19. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him, and all that call upon Him in truth, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. He answers our prayers, doesn't He? He does. 
Oh, I know the devil convinces us not to pray, and oh, that would have happened anyway, and all that. Listen, this my Bible tells me he not only hears my prayers, he answers my prayers. You know what I should say? You know what you should say? Thank you. Thank you. He answers. How about his listening ear in verse 19? He also will hear their cry. You know, sometimes in life we just need somebody that will listen. I've learned this as a pastor. Much of my counseling is not offering advice. It's just listening. Sometimes people just need to talk. They just need me. And I, that, sometimes we'll finish. Pastor Alex and a person will say, thanks for listening, preacher. Thanks for listening. I think to myself, my goodness, I'm your pastor, you know. But I'll tell you what, God is always there to listen. And sometimes if we're not careful, we only go to him when trouble is coming our way. You know what else? Can I tell you this? Well, as, a, as a parent, as a dad, something that blesses me through the years, especially as my boys are getting a little older, is when we'll go out and maybe we'll get a meal or something like that, and one of them will just lean over to me and say, Thank you, Dad. Now, would that bless you and all God's people said? I can tell you this, it blesses your Heavenly Father when He hears you say thank you. Thank you, Dad. Thanks for listening, Dad. Mm -hmm. Listening here. Oh, at the end of verse 19, it says, and, and we'll save them. We ought to thank God for deliverances. And God delivers us from things. How about verse 20? The Lord preserveth there, verse number 20, all them that love him. His preservation. His preservation. It means he keeps us safe. Takes care of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And then lastly, tonight, verse 20, the Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. Say, how can we praise God for that? You know what that is? That's His justice. Yeah, I praise God for His justice. Those that, those that mock God, and, and listen, we, we want people to be saved. God wants them to be saved a whole lot more than we do. But those who wave their fist at God and those who, who destroy lives. I, like, I think about people who peddle pornography and think about people who peddle booze and drugs and all that and just don't care and are not interested in the gospel, nothing like that. You listen to me, God will treat them justly Amen. as He should. You know, we ought to say thank you, God, for being just. Thank you for being just. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Again, it's not just a Thursday in November. It's a hard attitude every day, every week, every month, every year, until He calls us home. And then you know what we're going to do in heaven? You know what we're going to say in heaven? Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we love you. Thank you. It's all we can really say tonight. So we look at this.